Upcenter Church, hey, thanks for tuning in today. We're going to get to a message in just a moment. Thank you uh, for tuning in, whether you're at home watching today or whether you're in some other part of the world. Thanks for being a part of, of Epicenter Church. God has blessed us in an extraordinary way that Epicenter's reach goes outside of our own zip code here, and so we're thankful for that. And this year we've had our initiative for 2018 is Together We Can, and together we have accomplished some incredible things for the cause of Christ through our Ways to Love projects and Hop in the Park and Roar and Operation Compassion and all of our um, initiatives that we've partnered with other agencies and ministries throughout our city and abroad around the world. And so I want to thank you for your, your generosity, but today I'm coming to you for a very specific reason. This time of the year, we do an offering called The Give. It is something that we're very excited about. It's something that you're able to help us further the ministry, the cause, the mission, the vision of Epicenter Church. And so if you call this church home or if this church has blessed you in some way, shape, fashion, or form, we're asking you to partner with us and to give it an offering, an offering that shows how blessed you've been of God. You're giving out of the blessing that God has blessed you with. And so this offering called The Give is going to go through or go to many different um, agencies and many different resources that we have uh, been able to uh, connect with throughout the years. One of which is our foster care initiative where we're able to adopt 200 plus teenagers for Christmas and we're able to gift them um, this Christmas because of your generosity. So I'm asking you to partner with us to help us further the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ through the work of Epicenter Church. Whether you're here in Fayetteville, whether you're in some other part of the country tuning in, whether you're on the other side of the world, God has blessed us with um, the ability to extend the gospel through um, the internet and abroad and through our internet campus. So if you would partner with us, pray about what God would have you do because this is an incredible time of the year where we're able to do things for the cause of Christ and we're able to show how God has blessed us by blessing others. So the end of the year offering is called the give. Obviously it's tax deductible. If you can't do an offering at Christmas time with the give, then consider uh, a recurring gift, a monthly gift, partnering with us throughout 2019 and beyond. Again, I want to thank you for your willingness to help. The Give is going to be an awesome venture. It starts on December 16th through the end of the year. But pray about what God would have you do, a sacrificial gift. Because just like Mary, she poured out a gift on Jesus, the alabaster jar of perfume. She gave out of her abundance. It was a sacrifice. And we're asking you to pray and to do the same. Because I believe people are going to be touched through this offering this Christmas time. The Give. Thank you. Be blessed. Epicenter Church. is all up in here we talking about coca-cola bottles and all kinds of stuff isn't jesus good mm. let's get all up in his word can we do that C can we do that and just take your bibles out with me worship team thank you thank you for taking us into the presence of the lord how many of you know it's in that place it's in that place where we can have breakthrough. It's in that place where we receive hope. It's in, it's in that place. Don't listen. Let, this, let me just get on my soapbox for a minute. Don't come into church and take the first 30 minutes of service for granted. 
like, okay, once we get through this, we, we can get into the Word. Because can I tell you something? The Word is not our gift to God. It's His gift to us. It's our worship that is our gift to Him. God is not in heaven saying, oh, wow, man, I learned something today when Mark preached that. No, he's not. But God is blessed when we lift up our voices to him. Amen. Amen. Worship is what we were created to do. Being in his presence is what we should long for. Amen. Hey, just be seated. Be seated. I'm off my soapbox. Take your, take your Bibles and turn with me to Isaiah Chapter 9, verse 6. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also to um, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. Yeah, I'm going to preach to the one down here on the front row. Let's just see where the word of the Lord is taking us today. You know, at Christmas time, we sing all of these carols. You know, you hear them, you... Watch the movies and away in a manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. The stars in the sky looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. And all of those things are beautiful. All of those songs are wonderful. They're all great. They make you feel good on the inside. And they point to a baby, a savior who was placed in a manger. But can I tell you something? Today we celebrate Christmas not because of the manger, not because of the gifts, not because of the lights, not because of the trees, not, not because of the Hallmark Christmas movies, but we celebrate Christmas because there was a prophecy that was given in Isaiah chapter 53 that was fulfilled 2,000 years ago. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was a Upon him, And by his stripes we are healed. You see, God so loved the world that he gave his only son and his son became flesh and he dwelt among us and he was born of a virgin named Mary. He lived that blameless life for 33 years. He fulfilled all of the Old Testament prophecy. He died on a cross, was placed in a tomb, but he walked out because grace overcame the grave. The reason why it's a Merry Christmas is because there's an empty tomb. Is somebody going to get excited about the empty empty tomb. Y'all going to have to help me preach today. I'm just telling you. So we're going to get to the narrative here, but before we do, I want you just to look at your neighbor. It's not about Christmas. is not about the gifts that we'll exchange on Christmas Eve or Christmas day. It's about the gift that God exchanged with humanity that changed the world. So look at your neighbor and give to them the title of today's message and say, the gift exchange. Look at somebody else and say, the gift exchange. <laughs> we'll get to the narrative of scripture in a few minutes, Luke chapter 1. Let me just say this, today's going to be a little shorter, if you will, because we have Santa Claus outside for pictures and stuff, because I know some of you want to have your picture taken with Santa Claus and Hey, but don't forget tomorrow night, the Christmas Eve service, 5 o'clock and 6.30, you've got two choices. 
You can come to both of them if you want. But we're going to have a good time celebrating Jesus Christ. So we'll get to Luke chapter 1 in a minute, and I think this is going to be enlightening for some of you. But let me first start off by reminding you of Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, which has been the foundational verse of Scripture for this series. And if you've been here for any of this series, you know by now that Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 is a prophecy that was given by the great prophet Isaiah about the coming Messiah, the birth of Jesus. This prophecy was given 700 plus years before Jesus was even born. You know by now that this prophecy was actually given in a conversation between the king of Israel and Isaiah. When Ahaz, the king of Israel, came to Isaiah and he was overwhelmed, he was troubled, he was deeply troubled. He was fighting through insecurity and fear and a lack of understanding, not knowing what to do because the Assyrians were this mighty powerful force that had been going around and conquering all of these other nations and now they're coming to conquer Israel. And so Ahaz the king certainly doesn't want to be known as the king who loses the kingdom. So he comes to Isaiah saying, give me a word. Tell me what I need to do. I I, I don't know what to do. He get, just, just give me a word. Give me something. Should I build this alliance with this other nation? And if I do, if I build the alliance with the other nation, and will it place me in a favorable position to be able to take on the Assyrians? What he was trying to do was he was hoping that he could exchange his insecurity, exchange his fear, exchange his, his, his discouragement for an answer that maybe Isaiah could give to him. Give me a word. And, and so Isaiah gave him a word. He said, the favor that you're looking for, you cannot receive by any other hand. The favor that you're looking for, you cannot receive by your alliance with another nation. But rather, the only favor that will work for you is the favor of God. And the only way that that will work for you is through your dependence upon God. And that's why he said to him, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall rest upon his shoulder because one shoulder is strong enough to carry all of the burdens of every government in the world, and the other shoulder will lift you up while you're going through that difficulty. Oh my Lord, have mercy. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Why? Because John chapter 3 verse 16 said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Is anybody going to get excited? about this and his name shall be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace four names that he gave to us wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace four relational names four names of salvation four ways in which the spirit of god would be poured out on all of humanity 700 years after he made that statement to king ahaz Jesus was born 700 years later. I want to look at that birth according to Luke. The gospel of Luke gives us some enlightening illustrations, if you will, when it comes to the birth of Jesus. Let me set this up for you. First off, understand the gospel of Luke is not an eyewitness account. Rather, it is this collective, if you will, this comprehensive account of the life of Jesus that begins at his birth and ends at his ascension, that begins with the shepherds coming to worship Jesus and ends with the world worshiping Jesus as a savior. The gospel of Luke is centered around one thought, and that is the good news being preached. 
How would the good news be presented in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26? Are you there? Say, I'm there. Now, I'm going to try to read a few verses, but I'm also going to probably pause and preach a few verses. Is that all right? It says this, because this passage will preach, trust me. Sometimes you read the Christmas story and you just, again, we sometimes take it for granted, maybe because we've heard it, but, but you need to hear some things. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now, hang on for a second, because this is the very first time that Nazareth is ever even mentioned in the Bible, in the Old Testament nor the New Testament. The very first time. Why? Because one historian said it was a remarkably unremarkable place. It was roughly 15 miles or so away from the Sea of Galilee. It was six miles away from the closest road, if you will. There was no major water source there. However, Jesus will be forever known and connected to Nazareth because they would call him Jesus of Nazareth. We know by history that historians will tell us that nothing good has ever come from Nazareth and now the Messiah is from Nazareth. Then in verse 28, Mary's about to have a perspective shift Something that will change her perspective forever takes place when the angel went to her and said, greetings. How many of you know that was an interesting conversation? Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Grab hold of that. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. How many of you want that blessing pronounced over your life? Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Listen, think about this with me for a moment because this is a fulfillment of a word that was given to Moses and Joshua thousands of years before when God said that I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you and I will give you every single place that you set your feet. I will bless your lying down and your rising up. I'll bless your coming in and your going out. I'll bless you in the city and in the field. And Jesus even furthered that in Matthew chapter 28 when he said, I will be with you. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that every good blessing comes through Jesus from the heavenly realms. Has anybody in this place ever experienced that kind of favor? A favor that is greater than any favor that any man can do for you. If you've experienced the favor of God in your life, then go ahead and give him a favorable praise. But then the story gets very interesting here. Mary was greatly troubled at his words, and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Huh. She was very troubled. It's like Ahaz was very troubled. Mary is very troubled. Some of you are very troubled during the Christmas season. Some of you right now are absolutely dreading the lunch that you have to have on Christmas Day because all your crazy family members are going to be there. Others are deeply troubled because maybe you don't or can't afford the very gift that you wanted to be able to get for your kids, but, but you're troubled. Mary was not 
only troubled at what she was seeing, Ron, she was also troubled at what she was hearing. Because she is from that little backwoods town, that little village, and nothing good has ever come from Nazareth. So how can I, how can a blessing of God be following me around? How could I have the favor of God? I'm just a teenager. How could I have the favor uh, uh, of God? Nothing good's ever come from there. And then, then look what happens in verse 20 or verse 30. It says, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor. There it is again. Somebody say favor. With God. Well, good. Thank you for repeating that. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will be called great. I love that. One old preacher would say that people love conquerors and Jesus was the greatest of them. People love deliverers and Jesus was the greatest of them. People love saviors and Jesus was the greatest of them. No one has changed the course of humanity like Jesus. He was great and greatly to be praised. If you've ever experienced the greatness of his love, the greatness of his grace, the greatness of his mercy, the greatness of his doings, the greatness of his forgiveness, then somebody give him 18 seconds of great praise up in this place for the gift of Jesus Christ when he came to exchange all of your problems for all of his promises. Fifteen, sixteen. Look at the rest of this narrative. I could continue to preach. I told you that this thing will preach. Verse 33, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Verse 34, a curious juxtaposition how will this be (laughs) how will this be mary asked the angel since i am a virgin how will this be Is, is that not the question of our faith how will this be when will this be where will this be why is this happening what what's gonna happen to at the end of this thing how many of you have been there when you're when 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 your faith is questioning God's faithfulness. Mm. How will this be? Why? Why? When? Where? Then, look, it says the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High God will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And when even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. Mm. I'll talk about that in a minute. And she who said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. Oh, keep in mind, I need you to remember the context of this. Remember back, Ahaz went to Isaiah for a word. 700 years later, the word, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus is the word. That word is now coming to fruition 700 years later. I know some of you are saying, well, I ain't got 700 years to wait. I get that. But the word of God will never, ever fail. 
There's no time stamp on it. There's no expiration date. The word of God will not fail. Now verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Mm. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Hold on a second. I think so often we're running around looking for this gift, the right gift to give to that person who really, to be honest with you, after a few months, that gift is probably going to be gone somewhere that they will not be able to find or they will have forgotten which gift it was that they received from you. And you're having an ulcer or, or creating an ulcer or a panic attack right now trying to figure out exactly what you need to do when you've forgotten the real reason why we worship God is because of not the gift that you're going to receive on Christmas morning, but the gift that was given to you 2,000 years ago. And Mary said, I am your servant. Listen, there's something about Mary. Some of y'all are movie buffs. The others of y'all are like, what's, he, what's everybody's, why do they think that's funny? Um, there is something about Mary. Think about this. There's two different responses here. Ahaz is deeply troubled. Mary's deeply troubled. But Mary's response is, I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. Let me just take a sidebar for a minute. Can that be said of you? I am the Lord's servant because there is someone in your life who has served you, who has impacted your life, who invited you, who gave, who brought you to church, who caused you to be able to find out who Jesus Christ is because of their willingness to be a servant of the Lord. And because of that, today you're sitting here and you're being impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ because someone gave, someone served, someone went, someone took action. I am the servant of the Lord basically means that you have accepted your faith responsibilities. Hmm. You have accepted your faith responsibilities. You see, are you a servant of the Lord? Is he your God and are you his servant? Or was he your parents' God and you're hoping for the blessings that they received without the sacrifice that they made? It's getting all up in your business up in here. That's... Because someone served, and you're the result of that servant's willingness to be obedient. And so you received a blessing. And so does that blessing stop with you? And so now you've become stingy with that blessing, so no one beyond you receives what you've received? If everybody in Christ, if their willingness to serve was... Just like yours, where would the gospel be? That's all I'm going to say about that because it's getting too quiet up in here. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Um, oh, here, ownership of your faith comes in the form of servanthood with your life. That makes it simple. I am the Lord's servant, she said, this young teenage girl. But then she goes one step further and she says, may it, your word unto me be fulfilled. Now we get a glimpse of her heart. We get a glimpse of her attitude. May your word unto me be fulfilled. How, how, how deep is that? May your word unto me be fulfilled. Because think about that for a moment. That takes a lot of courage. May your word unto me be fulfilled. It's easy to say may your word unto me be fulfilled if you've got the blueprint in your hand. 
It's easy to say, may your word unto me be fulfilled if you can see the, the finish line. But if you're 30 years old, 35 years old, and you thought you would already be snug as a bug in the rug in your career, but yet it hasn't happened yet. Or you thought by now that you would have Mr. Right, but all that seems to be available is Mr. Wrongs. May your word unto me be fulfilled. It's, it's, it's one thing to say that when you know that you're really wanting God to bless the steps that you are taking and you're going in the direction that you want to go in. But it's another thing to say that when you have no clue as to where those steps are leading you. And she said, may your word unto me be fulfilled. Think about this in the context of Mary's life. Mary is saying, may your words unto me be fulfilled as a 16-year-old who's now going to be pregnant outside of wedlock. And during that day and age, you were stoned to death for such a thing. May your word unto me be fulfilled. It was not like one of those, oh, yay, Jesus, woo, yay. May your word unto me be fulfilled. Thank you, Jesus. May I have another? It was not that. May your word, listen, what good is a word from God if you're not willing to act upon it? What good is an education from God if there's no application? You see, for some of us, we have a greater biblical knowledge than we have a willingness for obedience. Let that sink in. So, Listen, there's a conundrum here. If you really study this verse, there's a lot of stuff present. I mean, you, you see like um, fear and insecurity and doubt and, and, and a lack of understanding. But at the same time, you see strength and you see courage and, and you see understanding and you see confidence. And, and, and you kind of see both things playing out here. And what I've noticed in my own journey is that without confidence, you can't receive the promise of God because many times the promise of God looks impossible, but it's your courage and your confidence in him that enables you to get there. And so... Think about Mary here. She says, may it be, may, may it, may it be unto to me. Th think about this with me for a moment because verse 34 tends to play out in our lives. I mean, verse 34, put verse 34 back up there for me if you would. Verse 34 will grow in your spirit. How will this be? How will this be? And then she begins to list the reasons why it's impossible. How will this be? How will this be? How, how, listen, this is not how I had it planned. No, 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 no. I'm betrothed to Joseph. This is not what I had planned. This is not what I thought would happen. In fact, we got a, we, we, we've got a honeymoon that's planned, and, and, and this ain't going to work out. I'm going to just go ahead and tell you, this ain't going to work. Did, 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 did I mention that I'm a virgin? Did, did I mention that I'm from Nazareth, that, that nothing good has ever come from Nazareth? How in the world will this be? I, I don't understand. Can you imagine the things that will be said about her? Nothing good ever comes from, from, from Nazareth. She's, she's like, hold on a second. I, I've got this, this, this wedding all planned out. I've, I've got this event that's supposed to take place. We've got this one-year betrothal period and all of that stuff. Listen, not, no, no, mm-mm. 
The more that I think about this, how will this be? Has, has anybody ever asked that question, how will this be? Come on, just be transparent this morning. Just raise your hand. How will this be? I began to really think about this question. Then I, I, I remember just a few verses before, Zechariah was hanging out. And the angel of the Lord came to Zechariah. And he said to Zechariah, he said, hey, bro. Because that's the way angels talk. What's up, man? Your wife, Liz, Elizabeth, she's going to conceive a child. Zechariah's like, <laughs> yeah, man, in your dreams, because we old. It's there. It's there. Let me show you. Hold on a second. If you, you may have this upstairs. You probably don't because I didn't tell you about it. But anyway, let me just find it. Um, Luke chapter 1, verse Hold on, let me find it. 18, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? Because I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. Listen, guys, that's the way you need to, you know, respond to your wife. She's well along in years. How will this be? So hold on a second. So here you have Zechariah asking, how can this be? You have Mary asking, how can this be? But after Zechariah asked, how will this be? The angel of the Lord said, since you don't believe me, then you're not going to speak. You're not going to talk. You're not going to have the ability to talk for nine months until that child is born. <laughs> so why is it that Mary gets an explanation, but Zechariah gets put in time out? Why? I mean, it, you know, he gets the silent treatment. Why, why, how does this happen? Why, why? I mean, moody angels? I don't know. Why? Then I got to thinking about it. You know, when we read Scripture, we don't really see the intonation of Scripture. So there had to be a difference in their tone. And so it could be that there's two types of doubt. There's one doubt that comes from disbelief. And then there's another doubt that comes from a position of humility. The doubt that comes from disbelief makes statements like, oh, this will never happen. This is absolutely impossible. Have you lost your mind? My wife is well in years. It's impossible. You begin to reflect upon yourself and you begin to look at your own insecurities and then you deflect those insecurities upon God and then you think that all things are impossible. This will never be, but a position, a doubt that comes from a position of humility begins to say, oh, I don't know how, God, but I do know you. I, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I do know that you hold tomorrow in the palm of your hand. God, I, I don't know how all of this stuff's going to come together, but I follow you. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And if God is for me, then tell me who can be against me. And then Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you think, ask, or imagine according to his power that is at work within you. so the angel says to Mary, you are highly favored and you will be blessed. You see, let me, let me say this. If you are always talking about what you cannot do, you will always stay out of what God has for you. 
you will always stay outside of what God has for you. Just think about the Israelites. They were sitting right outside of, of the promised land after 400 years, and God said, it's yours. And 12 spies came back, and 10 of them said, mm, we can't do it. Let's just, watch the, let's just watch from here as the giants devour the land, and that way they won't devour us. And two of them said, we can do it, but yet the 10 went out, and they hung out in the desert for 40 years. So I, I'm thinking about this favor thing. The more that I think about this favor thing, I, I think, well, how is, what is favor, really? What is it? Because, you know, some of you might go to the mall this afternoon and you go to the mall and, and, and you, you walk up to the counter to pay for what it is that you're purchasing and all of a sudden the attendant says, hey, listen, today's a BOGO sale. Buy one, get one free. And you're like, ha, oh, Jesus, favor, favor, favor. No, that's not favor. You see, if Jesus says in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome this world. And the very first thing that, that the angel says to Mary is that the Lord is with you and you are highly favored could very well mean that it's the favor of God that enables us to overcome the trouble in life because she's about to face some. And he says, but it's all right because the Lord is with you and you are highly favored. Mm, Lord have mercy. Are y'all grabbing this? Because the Lord is with you and you are, think about it in the context of her life. She's like, uh, well, I, I'm in this betrothal period. I, I, I'm, from, I, I, I'm from Nazareth and nothing good has ever come from Nazareth and, 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 and I'm poor and, and, and Joseph's not going to believe any of this. Y'all know he's not going to believe this. And then if he, if he leaves me, I'm not even going to be poor anymore. I, I, I'm going to be destitute and, 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 and I don't really know what to happen. And she was thinking about all of this stuff and how it was all going to play out in her life. And she didn't know what was going to happen and when it was going to happen. But what she did remember was this prophecy that was given in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. She remembered that there was going to be a Messiah that was going to be born. And his name was to be called Jesus. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall rest upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. She understood that. So for her, it, the worst problem was not a bad reputation. The worst problem was not broken relationships. The worst problem was not a financial despair. The worst problem was being separated from God throughout all of eternity. And she realized that Jesus was coming to correct that. She realized that Jesus was coming to turn that around. You see, here's what's ironic. What's ironic is Jesus was being born to a woman who was under the curse of death because the very thing that was about to happen to her placed her under the curse of death for her culture. But when you begin to think about it, here is Jesus who came to give us life and that life more abundantly who is giving, who is being born to a person who's under the curse of death. What you need to grab hold is this. All of humanity is under the curse of death. But Jesus came to reverse the curse. Jesus came to say, I am the gift exchange. Give me your brokenness and I'll give to you wholeness. Give to me your problems and I'll give to you my promise. Give to me your burdens and I'll give to you my blessings. Give to me your difficulties and I'll give to you your destiny. Why? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 that we serve one who's been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. And therefore we can go before the throne of God with boldness, knowing that His grace and mercy will be poured out in our time of need. That word time means that God showed up at the right time. Then came 
came Jesus. Lord have mercy. Then came Jesus in my infirmity. Then came Jesus in my difficulty. Then came Jesus in my problem. He is the gift exchange. He brought to me eternal life. Lord have mercy. Why? Because he's the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. And everybody get on your feet and give God a praise.